Hello and welcome to Passion and Practicality, a podcast series that focuses on the liberal arts, broadly speaking, which includes topics in communication, composition, creative writing, fine arts, graphic design, English, history, philosophy, photography, and many others. I am Rob Denning, Associate Dean for Liberal Arts for Southern New Hampshire University. Today, I am talking to Jeffrey Scheuer, a freelance writer who specializes in information ecosystems. Today, we are talking about his new book, Inside the Liberal Arts, Critical Thinking and Citizenship. So, Jeff, can you start off by telling us a bit about yourself, including your academic and professional background? Sure. Thanks, Rob, and it's great to be with you. Um, my background is in philosophy, but I didn't get a PhD. I, I went into journalism actually briefly, went to journalism school, uh, thinking that was my route to truth uh, rather than Plato. Turned out I was wrong. Um, for me, it was um, uh, a brief uh, journalism career, and then I became a freelance writer and gradually migrated back toward philosophy. Uh, I wrote two books on media and politics uh, in the late 90s, early 2000s. Um, and that was sort of a blend of my journalism and my philosophy background. Um, and uh, at a certain point after that, um, with the advent of social media, um, the journalism, uh, the media landscape became so chaotic that um, I didn't feel I uh, had more to add it, to that um, and uh, decided to take a different path, which was really circling back to my philosophy background and my interest in the liberal arts um, and uh, um, setting CD media aside, at least for the time being. It still continues to fascinate me. Um, and I think there are connections all across the board between media and the liberal arts, uh, which I can get into labor later. Um, but that's how I sort of um, got into the idea of uh, critical thinking and, and uh, liberal education. Um, I, as with some pre previous books, it began with this phrase in my mind, uh, liberal, the uh, critical thinking, uh, liberal arts supports critical thinking and vice versa. And uh, thinking, how does that work? What is meant by that? Why do people not define it? Why do they not explain it? Why do they just say it? And uh, that led me to seven or eight years of work on a book that's under 200 pages. So uh, it's a little uh, dense in that sense, but I think uh, well-researched, if nothing else. And uh, I, I, I think I, at least in my own mind, answered some of those questions uh, on uh, the connections between critical thinking and the liberal arts and the connections between them, those two ideas, and uh, citizenship and democracy. Yeah, and I think that's a, that's a very worthwhile endeavor because you're right that it is almost a truism in a way, especially among liberal arts professionals and in academics, that the liberal arts is particularly suited to 
teach critical thinking skills to students. But yeah, after a while, you start to wonder, is that actually true? I mean, we we certainly talk about teaching critical thinking to students, um, but I think there is definitely a lot of value in looking into is there actually what is that connection if that connection actually does exist or is it something that we just tell ourselves to make ourselves feel better when our students are are not don't have the same obvious career paths open to them i mean there's lots of career paths open to liberal arts students which we've, we've talked about in other podcasts and which we will probably talk about here today but there's not but in the popular conception there's this idea that liberal arts doesn't have the same connection to obvious career fields and so critical thinking is one of the things that liberal arts folks have fallen back on it's kind of like this is the thing that we specialize in that can be used to to learn everything else so it is definitely interesting that you're that you're focusing on the connection of the two in between the two in this book yes um and to back up a little bit a bit um i don't have the solution to that question i have a solution or a set of solutions <laughs> that i'm sharing with the world uh for better or worse um and i think where does critical th- thinking come in to the liberal arts there's two broad answers and maybe they converge ultimately um one is yes you can you you have to be a become a more critical thinker to engage with plato or tolstoy or anthropology or any of the critical uh, of the liberal arts fields you can't do it without logic and a certain amount of what's called informal logic and analytic skills and so on and uh, the second answer is why is that the case because those are the unifying elements critical thinking is the glue or or rather the common denominator really of all the liberal arts and i would add the sciences as disciplines uh it's what they have in common and and uh what is a sort of the portable set of skills that you need to to get into either one or to any one of them or to cross over among them as is true in the professions later on in life um you need those critical thinking skills and there's a range of them that i talk about in the book yeah i think that's an important caveat is that n- none of us are saying that other fields don't incorporate critical thinking Absolutely. so it, yeah ex- exactly i mean every every academic and career endeavor requires critical thinking to a certain extent so obviously yeah we're not right. going to say that that critical thinking is the exclusive domain of the liberal arts but for our purposes today we'll focus on the liberal arts and so You've written the book here, uh, explicitly studying the connection between liberal arts and critical thinking. So, can you tell us a little bit about your 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 overall argument here? How do you how do you how do you make that connection between those two concepts, liberal arts and critical thinking? Right. How do you make that that right. clear? I was starting to try to make it in my previous answer um, that they embody. The liberal arts embody critical thinking in in both in the sense that they they um, uh, are an avenue to becoming a more critical thinker in a broader sense than might be true in say computer science or business or other STEM areas. And I'm not anti-STEM by any means, but um, um, 
let's let me put it in another way. In the, it, my argument in the book is uh, that one of the key arguments um, is that um, you can you can be a critical thinker as a STEM student, as a scientist, whatever. Um, but um, there's really uh, citizenship ultimately is, assumes more than one form. It's really three things. Uh, it's it's the civic engagement that we commonly identify with citizenship that includes voting and protesting and and uh, supporting politicians, opposing politicians, jury duty, all the whole range of things we do in, in the political realm. But it's also um, what we do in the economic realm as consumers, as producers, uh, uh, that uh, contributes both to our individual prosperity and the prosperity of society. And third, um, it's cultural citizenship, which is engaging in all of the conversations, mostly around the arts, that uh, supplement what we do in the economic and civic realms and interact with those. So uh, I would argue that the arts are the principal venue, but I think sports is a venue, religion is a venue, um, popular culture is a venue uh, for what I'm calling cultural citizenship. And why do we need the liberal arts? Because only the liberal arts prepare us for all three of those forms of citizenship. Whereas STEM and science is important, and I, I would group science partly at least in the liberal arts, but let's say STEM and pre-professional education, um, as important as they are, um, only prepare us for the economic side of citizenship, not for the cultural or the political. And so what are the implications for that for society or for American culture or? There's one, um, yeah, there's one big implication. You cannot have democracy without liberal arts. Uh, you can have uh, a highly, uh, efficient uh, economic system and uh, uh, as as was true in George Orwell's 1984 and other uh, dystopian views, but you cannot have citizens and therefore you cannot have democracy unless people are uh, trained, not just for economic citizenship, but for cultural and uh, political. So, uh, it's as important to a democratic culture as a free press, for example. And in fact, I think there are some clear connections between, as I suggested earlier, between media and freedom of the press and and liberal arts. Um, so that's it in a nutshell. I'm 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 saying we need. I'm saying we need STEM, we need uh, dentists and nuclear scientists, um, but um, even even dentists and nuclear scientists, I think would benefit and it would benefit society when they study liberal arts as well.
Yeah, and so we're not we're not saying that somebody has to be a graduate of a quote unquote liberal arts program in order to be a successful citizen and a good Absolutely citizen and, and and proponent of democracy. Is there just needs to be some exposure to it or yes. some and, yeah. And by the way, it has to start before in K twelve education. We need to do a much better job, and and. In effect, much of what we learn in K-12 is sort of pre-liberal arts, um, social studies, for example, English uh, languages. So, so we we need to do a, a much better job there of preparing people to be citizens. Unfortunately, it's not not it's above my pay grade to uh, delve very far into that. But I would I would suggest one idea at the minimum, um, which is that, um, and it seems so obvious, I don't know why it hasn't, it, I know it's been discussed, but I don't know why it hasn't been uh, done. And that is to have a, uh, a civics component on the SAT and, and, the, and other college entrance tests to force schools to teach that stuff that they if that they don't teach civics is is an educational crime against rising generations uh, and as someone whose specialty is history i'm totally yeah. on board with that that we need to have more of that at the k through 12 level i mean you can tell you can you know all about the importance of history for uh th those who uh what did Santayana say? Um, those who ignore the past are condemned to repeat it. Um, something like that. So, yeah, citizenship in all its forms is uh, a democratic precondition of democracy. Yeah, and I think, uh, I, I, and I actually, you may mention this in the book, but there's again, we're not focusing on that we have a specific ideological perspective here. We're not looking for, you know, critical thinking isn't supposed to lead to a specific ideological outcome. Absolutely not. Absolutely it's just not. it's just a way of questioning what's happening around around a person. Yes. Uh, and on that point. Um, there is an ideological um, dimension to democracy as I'm discussing it, because, and it, it's unfortunate, but it's I, I'd be I'd be remiss not to mention it. And that is that um, the 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 threefold conception of citizenship that I just laid out um, is not without its uh, critics. Um, there are people who would argue, you just show up to vote and then go home and forget everything else. And that's a very narrow, very pinched conception of democracy. Um, I don't think it comports with the complexities of the real world that we live in and the ways in which everything we do. Uh, I define citizenship, in other words, fairly broadly, but I think coherently, it's 
every area of life in which we give something to a larger whole and get something back from that larger whole, whether it's maybe not family, but village, community, nation, world. Uh, when when we recycle in order to, um, you know, protect the planet, etc., that's a form of citizenship. So I emphatically support that robust, strong form of citizenship. But there are those who don't, and I have to acknowledge the existence of those people. Yeah, I mean that's certainly true. That there's uh, there there will be a range of views on democracy and all that. However, uh, you're making a, a good point here, though, that democracy as it has existed in the U.S. There is an ideological component to it because everybody has to agree on certain norms. There has to be certain, even if they're not explicit rules, there are certain just norms, I guess is the word I'm looking for, but that everybody has to agree to for this to work. And it's when you start destroying the norms is when everything starts to kind of fall apart. Now, there there can that, you know, you wouldn't think that that would necessarily be ideological, but we have you know, in recent years, we have seen that there has been some movement on what can be called an ideological level to start abandoning some of those norms. And then and then once once you go down that road, it's kind of the traditional conception and existence of democracy as we've known it will disappear. Um, and who and we don't know what that would be replaced by, which would then open up a whole other can of worms for liberal arts. But, um, it's a scary prospect. It's a, and we are facing it now. I have to say, um, it's a very scary prospect because those norms are what bind us. What else binds us? Well, critical thinking binds us. Reasoning binds us. I equate critical thinking more or less with rationality. Not all kinds of rationality, but a large section of it. Um, and what is rationality but a common language so that we understand each other amidst our differences? It, it doesn't make us all think alike, but it joins us in a common conversation. And in fact, language itself is exactly the same kind of thing, a form of community. It's, it's what enables us to communicate uh, period over and out. It's, it's all we got. Um, and without without those norms, without language, without rationality, um, you cannot have a community democratic or otherwise. You have primitive tribes warring against each other, which we're starting to see in our country, unfortunately. Well, yeah, we have certainly seen a lot of you know political fragmentation um, and incivility, I guess is kind of a uh, a polite way to put it. but yeah. It's we we have been seeing that, and so it, it's interesting uh, to hear your the, kind of the three legs of citizenship and the connection to critical thinking. I think that's that's a really interesting uh, perspective, and I personally, of course, agree with it. Um, but what do you you know it, it, what? And you did mention, of course, that there are critics to that, and so um, it's. You've, and you've kind of talked about what your response to critics would be on on that, uh, because realistically, if you are because I guess what it boils down to is, are you personally invested in the continuance of democracy? Right. If you are, 
then this stuff matters. But there are some folks out there that unfortunately just just aren't committed to the continuance of, of democracy because they think something else might work better. And in that case, all of this kind of goes out the window for those folks, unfortunately. Hopefully yeah. they're a minority. I believe they are a minority. But that is kind of the essential problem that we that we that I think the country is at least going to be facing for a while. It is for sure. I don't have the answer except uh, teach uh, civics and <laughs> teach kids that we live in communities, that we're not isolated selves, that we have uh, individual identities that are uh, inviolable, but we live in groups. We live in families, towns, countries, and a planet. And uh, I mean, some parents would get up in arms just over what I just laid out. Uh, no, you don't. You live with you live with me in my house, and uh, I rule. And and uh, forget everything else. You cannot. I don't think there's an argument against that. I think you just have to try to um, uh, support a culture that that defeats or overwhelms that sort of nihilistic view of society. Yeah, I think that's right, because we've definitely seen over the last five, ten years, the development of a substantial kind of ideological group that are kind of embracing the nihilistic, The and, and they're not going to be convinced. And so I think you're right that we have to instead focus on the rest of the people, the rest of the the rest of our community, the 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 rest that is willing to engage actually engage in the community, and work with who we who we can to improve improve all of this. Yeah. Um, there there will, and realistically, there have always been the kind of the, the splinter groups in America that have been kind of more the more nihilistic, the more I want to go my own way, anti-democratic um, kind of perspective. Uh, it's just that. As you mentioned at the beginning of all of this, that the rise of social media and, alt and alternate forms of, of journalism and, and, and journalistic media, that faction has been magnified or, or yeah. um, is louder now than it was in I, the past. I, my perception is that social media have been a huge accelerant of those trends, not their cause, but a huge accelerant. Uh, the cause is a certain nativism and tribalism that has been uh, probably, as an historian, you know better than I, inherent in America since the get-go, but for whatever reason has been uh, coming to the surface more and more um, in recent years. Uh, and uh, my sense is uh, Trump populism is is the sort of uh blossoming of, if you can call it that of that of that trend but i think it it comes more from ethnic and racial insecurity than anything else not from economic insecurity necessarily um and i think uh, polls and studies bear that out um uh that it's not primarily an economic uh struggle um Yes, that I, I have seen similar studies, and and yes, that that sounds that seems right to me also. 
Um, so uh, thank you for for talking about all this. This is really information. This is all uh, really interesting stuff. Um, what's so? What's next for you? What are you? Uh, do you have another project in the works, or uh, what, what's what's happening next for you? Good question. Um, not sure. I want to see where this goes. I'm still in the throes of uh, uh, developing an audience for for my book on the liberal arts and critical thinking. Um, so um, I'm not quite ready. I do have a couple of uh, collections of essays I'd like to work on, uh, give myself a little breather from uh, a project as consuming as this has been for a number of years. I didn't work on it con continuously over that period, but it, it's taken me a number of years just to get this uh, 200-page book out. Um, so uh, I'm, I'm not quite ready to commit uh, to something else, uh, but uh, I would hope it would be in some way related. Maybe it would come back to questions about media and communications and the liberal arts. We'll see. So just to uh, kind of wrap up on the, the, because I think, I think you do have, um, you've got a great, um, you know, collection of thoughts here. This is, this is, this, I, I really like the way this is, this is put together. It is a small book, but like you said, it's very dense. It's got uh, a lot of really good ideas in it. So what is, Let's say. Oh, yes, it is, it is accessible. Uh, yes. <laughs> this is not uh, a dry, dusty, you know, this is not a, um, you know, it's 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 not drowning in footnotes and all of that. So My it's, um, is, Rob, yeah. that this book will not give you a liberal arts education, but it will provide, uh, I think, like few other books would, it will prov it would provide for a student, let's say, the scaffolding for a solid liberal that would enable them to then organize and process what they learn more efficiently. That's my hope at least. Great. Well, we, we uh, hopefully we'll see that happen because um, I think there's a lot of great ideas in here and I would, I think there's a lot of usefulness for this uh, for students and also for liberal arts educators. I think there's a lot of really good ideas That's that, um, that we it. as professors can share. Definitely. And for law, lifelong learners, anyone interested in thinking in in re uh, ter, not just turbocharging, but retrofitting their their college education 10, 20, 30, 40 years out, whatever. Uh, I think it's for them, too. I hope. Yeah, great. Well, thank you for taking the time to uh, talk to me today. It's been a great pleasure, Rob. Thank you. And thank you all for joining us today. This episode appears on the Passion and Practicality podcast feed, and you can subscribe to that feed on any podcast app, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Podbean, Amazon Music, Spotify, or whatever else you prefer. If you have any questions or comments for this or any of our other podcasts, please send us a message at onlineliberalarts at snhu.edu. For Jeffrey Scheuer, I'm Rob Denning. Keep thinking critically.